0: we will open in a word of prayer and we'll get started this evening. Father, we come to you tonight. We are thankful for the time that we have together to um, read from your word, to to think and to ponder on um, lessons that we, we learn and study and, and, and verses from your word. And I pray that you would we use those to work in us, uh, Father, and transform us into Your likeness, uh, Father. We do. We come tonight. And we pray for Willie and uh, pray that You would help him to, to rest and to improve and, and get better and, and to heal, Lord, and, and for Bill as well as um, he's not feeling well. And uh, Father, this Hilda and, and, and COVID, Father, we. Um, Pray that you would heal her body, Lord, and, and restore her to health. We, we pray for tonight for for Jason and, and the injury that he had to his his um, his ankle and his his heel, and and pray that you would help it to to heal, Father, um, quickly and uh, be with him. And Father, also the the family we mentioned tonight, the the Longhorn family. Pray that you would um, be with them during this time and. Uh, bring them comfort and and peace, um, Father. Right now, is as they're mourning the loss of a loved one. So, Father, uh, be with them in a way that only you can. Um, Lord, we do. We pray tonight for as we begin a new study that you would, uh, Father, by your Spirit and and, and your Word, and um, Father, wise godly men who have gone before us, that, that you would, would teach us. And so, Father, do that this evening, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Right. So, uh, tonight, we're going to be starting a new study on a new book, and it, it's entitled Rejoice and Tremble, um, not two words we normally think of putting together. Uh, And its subtitle is The Surprising Good News of the Fear of the Lord. Um, It's by Michael Reeves. And the interesting thing I thought about this is um, that with this particular series, they've actually, the authors have gone in and and made available kind of two different tiers or two different levels of books. So this one. Uh, rejoice and, and tremble is the full length, full fledged, all the, the details there um, th- that you can get. There's also a more uh, succinct version, more condensed version of it entitled, What Does It Mean to Fear the Lord? So um, if you want all the, the details and the extra goodness in the extended book, you can get the, um, the rejoice and tremble. And then if you want uh, a more concise version, you could, could go and get what does it mean to fear the Lord. And, and, and they're virtually the same book, it's just one contains more detail than the other. I thought it was a great idea, you know, depending on, on reading level or spiritual maturity or, you know, I thought you know, English is the second link. There's all kinds of different ways that people can use uh, each one of those. So um, it was just an interesting interesting thing that I saw that I, I thought was really neat. Um, so I would encourage you, if you want to, to purchase one of those and follow along um, with us as we go through this study, to do, to do that. So, um, so tonight we're going to start introducing uh, the study and the, the topic, the subject at hand tonight. And um, to begin this discussion, the author, he talks about how fear is the strongest, possibly perhaps the strongest human emotion Um, That we experience But it's also at the same time A very complex Emotion as well And he gives the examples like You know when um, You can think about um, Fear Being something that brings a lot of Just anxiety and dread And and terror um, That that can I mean almost cripple At some points. you think about you know For example, losing a job or losing a loved one or something like that—it has very profound effect on us. And yet, at the same time, there are times when we're intrigued by fear or we're we're um, kind of attracted to fear. Like you got ghost stories, right? Right? You got horror movies. You've got. Uh, haunted houses, all kinds of haunted houses, all kinds of things. And and like as much as you want to look away, you still want to look at it and see what's going to happen. And we're just intrigued by it. So very strange response that we have to this emotion, a mix of of responses we can have. Um, There's also, interestingly uh, enough, uh, a, a mixture of ways that Scripture talks about fear. When we look at it, and and that can also be confusing, to to know how to to understand this. So, for example, um, it's spoken of negatively, right? In First John four, and we read, "There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love." And then the book of Hebrews, the author talks about how. Um, you know, Jesus has come to deliver from fear. And so fear is seen in those couple of examples to be something, you know, rejected and and avoided. Um, Also, at the same time, we know we repeatedly see in Scripture this idea of the fear of the Lord. And and it's discussed as, as a positive thing to be embraced and to be pursued. And so... Proverbs tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The, um, in the, book of the, the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes, the, the preacher writes there at the end, uh, the end of the matter, all has been heard, fear God and keep His commandment. So there it's a, a command giving, given to fear God. For this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret, secret thing, whether good or evil. So the whole duty of man, or, or man's all, as the, the new King James puts it, is to fear God and keep His commandments. We read down through history of, of different uh, men of God who, who have written about this, such as uh, the Reformers, Martin Luther in the, in the 1500s. We are to fear, love, and trust God above all things. Uh, The Puritans in in the 1600s. John Owen wrote, The fear of the Lord means the whole worship of God, all the obedience which we owe unto Him. John Murray, he's a a theologian who, um, he, he helped, actually helped found Westminster Theological Seminary. Uh, he wrote it in the 1900s, the, the fear of God is the soul of godliness or it's it, at its core, its essence. Um, if we desire to be more godly, then we must possess and pursue this fear of the Lord. Um, and then we come down, you know, kind of to today and I, in the Christian circles of uh, that we have in our in our own culture and, and society, it seems. A lot of times, like, we have kind of two different camps. You know, on the one hand, you've got the camp that, that wants to talk about love and grace and, and, and mercy and all of that stuff. On the other hand, you've got this camp that kind of reacts against that and emphasizes God's justice and His, his anger and His wrath against sin and and why it is we should fear Him. And so then we, we come and we wonder, then what is the correct way to view this idea of the fear of the Lord. And then uh, the real kicker is the, the, a passage that we read in Isaiah. And this is talking about Christ. It's actually talking about Christ himself. And this is what it said. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, Spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And then get this very interesting in the, in the in the next verse, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. So, even the the very Son of God in human flesh fears the Lord and delights in it. Um, and so what is this that that Scripture is? Is talking about is the question that we're going to try to understand as we walk through our study together. Um, the next part of the chapter is interesting. It's entitled "Today's Culture of Fear," um, and in this section, Doctor Reeves, he, he kind of examines this uh, the current state of our society and and how we're dealing with fears and the anxiety, anxieties that we all. Have, and um, he writes this about it. That we are more prosperous and secure. That we have more safety than almost any other society in history. Safety has become the holy grail of our culture. And like the holy grail, it is something that we can never quite reach. Protected like never before. We are skittish and panicky. Like never before. And he, he gives some examples. I mean, think about how far, you know, automobiles have come. You know, seat belts and airbags and car seats and booster seats and crash test ratings and, and all kinds of things in it that are trying to make things safer. Um, materials that we, we build with. Uh, my parents just had a place, an old house, um, torn down on, on their on their property, and guess what? Before they, they had it torn down, they had to have it checked for asbestos to see if it was in there because there's a, a particular way you have to have to deal with it. Thankfully, there wasn't any, so that, that was good. Um, but we've improved all, all the ways we, things we build with, and um, clean drinking water and, and advances in, in medical technology and all of these things that, that our society has, has thought to make things safer, and yet... You're still plagued by fear and anxiety. It still exists. We still deal with it. And um, he, he goes on, and, and Dr. Reeves quotes a man named uh, Frank Ferretti. And I guess this guy is um, kind of the foremost expert on, on the idea of cultural fear. Um, and he, he's done a lot of research and a lot of... Um, Looking into this idea um, about fear in our culture, and he wrote this book um, and and after he had done all the research, he'd looked at the subject, um, analyzed everything, he came away with this conclusion: his conclusion was moral confusion in society has led to an inability to deal with fear and I mean, I think we can agree there's there's enough moral confusion in our society to go around. You know, when uh, we kind of have a hard time understanding that, you know, God created man and woman and like he created them good and they shouldn't want to transition to the other and things like that. We, you know, having confusion about the fact that, you know, Killing a fetus in the womb is murdering another human being. And in so many ways, our society is, is very confused with uh, morality. But Dr. Reeves argues here that, that the point has some merit, but it doesn't go quite far enough. And he says um, it needs to be taken one step further. It's Not only moral confusion, but it's moral confusion that is the result of a lack of fear of God in our culture that has made us more anxious and more fearful. And, and look at the way that he says this. This is fascinating to me. He writes, the fear of God was a happy and healthy fear that shaped and controlled our other fears, thus reigning in anxiety. And it makes sense. It's true. When, when you fear a completely sovereign, all-knowing, perfectly good God who controls all things by his providence, then it takes care of there's other fears and anxieties of the world. He continues, he says, In ousting God from our culture, other concerns from, from personal health to the health of the planet have assumed a divine ultimacy in our minds. Good things have become cruel and pitiless idols. And so, I mean, we see that. Or, you know, are we to take care of our bodies and be good stewards of them. Yes, Scripture commands us to do that. Are we to care for the the planet and be good stewards of it, the the world that that God has placed us in? Yes, we are. But we can't elevate those things to the level of of deity because then, as I I heard one preacher say one time, we we take a good thing and make it a God thing, which is a bad thing. And um, so we can't elevate it to that. Level, And we see that the, this, this fear and anxiety is not, it's not the way it's supposed to, to have turned out. You know, it's not the future that, that removing God from our, our culture promised to us, right? Removing God and, and religion and, and secularizing our, our society. It was supposed to lead to like growth and progress. And happiness and fulfillment. Right? If, if you get rid of the, the own mean guy in the sky that zaps you when you do something wrong, then you can actually enjoy things and, and be free to live. Um, but we see that that's not true. Um, Bertrand Russell was a, he's a British mathematician and a, and a philosopher. And he wrote this actually in the, in the late 1920s. He said, science can teach us. And I think our own hearts can teach us no longer to look around for imaginary supports, mocking their idea of religion or deity, uh, no longer to invent allies in the sky, again mocking a concept of God, but rather to look to our own efforts here below to make this world a fit place to live in, instead of the sort of place that the churches in all these centuries have made it. And so... Um, atheist, humanist, materialist—they um, they argue here that that we need more science and more knowledge and more self-reliance, right? Self-dependence and less religion. But as we've we've seen this evening, th- this philosophy is has, has has we see where it's gotten us um, over over the last decades. It's it's not delivered on this carefree, fear-free, anxiety-free you know, promise that it made. And so very, in a very concise way, the the author says this, the loss of the fear of God is what ushered in our modern age of anxiety. And the fear of God is the very antidote to our fretfulness. And so if this, again, this uh, atheistic kind of materialistic world View secular worldview hasn't worked, then what do we need to to kind of turn this thing around? And uh, we're going to look at through this study and and we'll say it is a fear of God. Um, He quotes the the Puritan John uh, Flavel, who who, um, he wrote a book called A Practical Treatise on Fear. And summarizing this, he says this, Anxiety grows best in the soil of unbelief. It withers in contact with faith, and faith is fertilized by the fear of God. It's kind of a very kind of poetic way of, of putting that together. And so we're going to see as we walk through this the rest of this study together that the key to understanding the the fear of the Lord is to understand the meaning of that word and the, the, the context in which Scripture uses it. Um, and when we do that, that, and we're able to define and kind of differentiate those different ways of using fear in Scripture, we'll be able to rejoice uh, that the fear of God is a thing in Scripture commended to us, We'll also be able to appreciate how fear, how it is that fear causes delight to Christ as we read tonight in the book of Isaiah and also to us, his people. And so I'm I'm excited about getting, uh, being able to to walk through this together. Uh, Next week, we're going to start to dive in and, and look in scripture at the different uses of the fear of the Lord and what it means. And so... Um, let's pray together tonight. Father, we, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for the, the commands it gives us that we are to fear God. I pray that you would help us as we in the coming weeks as we walk through this to dive in and to, to pull apart your word and to see indeed what, what that means to us, what it means for us. Father, to be obedient to that, that command that we fear. The Lord, I, I thank you that we were able to, to see kind of, as a culture where this is has come from, and and try to diagnose some of those things. Um, Father, help us to be aware of, of fear and anxiety, um, in our hearts, and and to be able to fight against that. And um, Lord, just teach us all of those things as we continue, to go through this study together. And so. We pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.